Acts chapter 19, and we're going to begin at verse 11. This is maybe my favorite story in all of the Bible. Acts chapter 19, I just, I love it. I've preached from it uh, on many occasions. In fact, if you've uh, followed us for any amount of time, you've probably heard me share at least once out of this passage, but oh man, this is so cool. Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. Reading out of the New King James, I did actually upload this in the Bible app as well. I know I don't always have that on Thursday nights, but it is in the Bible app so you can have all our scriptures and notes. And this is what the Bible says. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, diseases left, and evil spirits went out of them. Did my mic go out when I said evil spirits? Spooky, okay? We want to get hyper-spiritual on this. You know, one of the things, now I already know, let me just pause right there, verse 13. I know the moment that I start doing a sermon series on demons, I'm going to start getting calls. Pastor, my tire went flat. Will you come do deliverance on my car? Like, no, we're not going to do that. There's not a demon hanging on every lampshade. But sometimes there are. And what we want to do is we want to begin to shine a light on some areas that we really should be mindful of. We're not going to get hyper-spiritual. Oh, Pastor Jacob's microphone went out when he said evil. No, that's okay. Diseases left, evil spirits went out. Verse 13, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Uh Uh-oh. There were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? You, you know, those boys are in trouble. The man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, prevailed them, and they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. Fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Isn't that amazing? Even failed deliverance ministry brought Jesus glory. Many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds, and many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. They counted up the value. It totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, so the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Wow. Let's pray, and let's ask the Lord's hand on his word as we open together. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. Thank you that it's light and it's life, it's instruction, it's correction. And God, I pray that tonight your word would accomplish all that you desire it to. I pray, mighty God, that even as we enter into this series, you would make us aware of the supernatural world that is around us, almighty God. There are things that are going on in the spirit that are contrary to you, and we want to be mindful and know how to war against those. But there's also the power of God and things that are working on our behalf, and we want to be aware of those things things as well. And so we ask you to help us, Lord. Give us wisdom and revelation and all that you desire for us to see, to hear, and to know. And so, Lord, we bless this time as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I began with 
really what I think is probably my favorite story in the Bible because there is so much supernatural activity in and throughout this. How, how many of you just, you, you like the supernatural? I think, I think most people do in general. In fact, you know, even as you look, you ever notice that like all the movies that do well in the theaters are always dealing with the supernatural. I looked and, and, and I've gone through teaching like this and every time I do, I get on and I look at what are the top grossing movies, what are the top selling movies of all time and every single one of them, I mean you got Star Wars, Praise God. You have the Avengers, I think is the number two selling movie. You've got Avatar. I'm not endorsing these movies, by the way. But every single movie that you'll see, with the exception of Top Gun, which I would endorse. That's an amazing movie. You ought to go see the new Top Gun. Um, that's not really supernatural, but it's pretty close. Uh, uh, but you'll understand that all of these movies that people flock to and enjoy are always about people doing supernatural things, accomplishing incredible feats. There's just something about it that, that appeals. In fact, one of the reasons that I've chosen as a church, like we don't shy away from laying hands on the sick. If somebody begins to manifest demons in our church service, we don't drag them out and, and you know, make sure nobody, unders nobody knows what's going on. No, we're going to hide that out in the back. No, we're going to pray in tongues. We're going to fall on the ground. We're going to run around the room. We're, I, why? I have found that topics of the supernatural are some of the most intriguing and appealing to people, period. In fact, one of the greatest tools of evangelism I found, you want to know what I found to be one of the greatest open doors to witnessing? Talking about ghosts. Talking about demons. Talking about like end times events or even aliens and UFOs. Why? Because many people, and I mean, just try this. Go to work, go to school, and just begin to ask people. You'll be amazed at how many people say they don't believe in God, but they believe in demons. I don't, I haven't surrendered my life to Jesus, but boy, I believe that there's ghosts. There's something that haunts my grandma's house, right? How many of you, have you ever seen this? And when people begin to understand, the Bible actually has a lot to say about a lot of the things that everybody tends to believe in. And so that's some of the stuff that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about some of those things. We're going to talk about, in fact, I put out a video just a few minutes ago about how there's even a verse in the Bible that talks about what seems to be zombies. I mean, it's talk about how people are going to be like dead men, rotting flesh, rotting eyes, rotting tongue. It's part of God's judgment. Oh, that's scary. And we're going to talk about that. There's one guy who transforms, it seems like, into a werewolf. I mean, it's crazy. Have you ever read Daniel and how he, uh, uh, there was a curse that came upon him. The Bible says that he walked on all fours. He had hair that grew out and feathers that grew out and long talons and he ate grass like an ox. Have you ever read that story? I mean, it's just crazy kind of stuff. I mean, wild. We're going to talk about vampires. We're going to talk about witches and warlocks. We're going to talk about demons. We're going to talk about angels. Praise God. We're going to talk about, here's a controversial one, can Christians be demon-possessed? 
I say, with the blessing of our senior pastor, by the way, absolutely they can. Dr. Morocco did a wonderful staff training about demonic oppression upon believers. Next week, I'm even going to deal with a woman who is a faithful church attender, a worshiper of God, and demonized. You say, how does that work? Listen, friend, if you don't believe that Christians can be demonized, let me ask you this. Have you ever been to a Bible study or a prayer meeting, and it ended up being nothing more than like a big gossip fest? Anybody ever been to that meeting? So you know that Christians can be demon-possessed. Right, okay, some of you, you you're going to track with me, some of you are going to repent later, uh, but, but we're going to deal with it, and I'll give you a scriptural, bit. I'm just, I'm kind of giving you an overview of some of the topics that we're going to cover, and so, I mean, even if you have questions about particular items, um, even, you know, I, I, would you guys be interested if I talked about strange manifestations? For example, like gold dust. Can I give you like a little tidbit on gold dust? You ever heard of, you say, what's gold dust? You ever heard about these moments where like gold dust begins to manifest on people or even like come into a room? You ever heard stuff like that? You say, well, pastor, do we believe for that? Listen, if we started having gold dust fly around this place, we're scraping it up. We're going to sell it and give it to our building program. I'm game, man. I'm, but here's, let me just give you one thought about gold dust. I don't think I've ever shared this with you guys. There was a, a, a pastor friend of mine who was friends with a Jewish rabbi. They were on a trip in Israel, and this guy, he's not a Messianic Jew, but he's a, he's a rabbinic Jew. He's a, uh, you know, loves God, not convinced about Jesus as Savior. But the conversation came up with a group of charismatic Bible school students and this rabbi about gold dust. And the rabbi stops. I feel like I'm telling a joke, but it's, this is not a joke. The rabbi begins to ask him, what are you talking about gold dust? And so some of the students begin to explain to him, oh, well, there's this thing that happens. We're not sure if we believe in it or not, where gold dust begins to manifest in certain powerful services. And the rabbi was very intrigued. Now, this is, this is what got my attention because I'm even in that, like, I don't know if that's God or not, but here's what kind of pushed me towards that side. The rabbi begins to, to question them. He's like, that's very interesting. He says, do you know that when very wealthy or very influential people in Israel are married, you know how we will like throw rice on people as they're you know coming out of the, the wedding chapel? We'll shower them with seeds or whatever. Uh, in Israel, for very wealthy people, they will literally shower them with gold. They will pour gold dust on them. And so as they were talking through this, uh, my, my pastor friend, he ends up coming to this conclusion, like, doesn't it seem fitting that as Jesus is preparing to come back for his bride, that there would be moments that he showers them with gold dust, just like they do in Hebrew culture. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Ah, this is the kind of stuff that just, these are signs that make you wonder. Signs that make you wonder. So I, I think there's a, a place for it, but what I want to begin to deal with here over the next few moments is, uh, is, is really just laying some groundwork. Did you know that God is spirit? 
God is spirit. I want to talk about God. I want to talk about the devil and just lay some basic ground rules for uh, what the Bible actually teaches. Uh, uh, Which, by the way, before I get any further, I do want to say as well. What we are, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll put a hunger in your heart for certain things. But what I never want to do, Jesus on one occasion rebuked the religious because they were seeking the hand of the blessing of God and not seeking God himself. And so I never want to be a people that we're pursuing miracles, we're pursuing manifestations, we're, can, we're pursuing goosebumps and, and tickles and, 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 and whatever, whatever, whatever it is that could come into our heart. I, I want to seek the God of the supernatural. Are you with me tonight? We're going to seek the God of the supernatural, not just what's in our God's hand. And so uh, we're going to go after these things. But the Bible says, John chapter 4, in verse 23, Jesus was teaching, The hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. Everybody say, in spirit. We will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. Would you say those three words with me right now? One, two, three. God is spirit. Let's say it again. God is spirit. This is important for us to recognize. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We need to learn to engage the Lord, not just in a natural sense, but in a spiritual. And many of us have already learned to do this. And we're going to dig more into this. But what I want to highlight is God is spirit. Jesus came in the flesh. The Father is now in heaven. And Jesus also is in heaven. And so this is Trinity theology. Who's with us here on the earth right now? Holy Spirit. So when we sense God moving in our midst, uh, now I do believe there's moments, in fact, Paul had an encounter with Jesus. There may be moments where Jesus himself comes and ministers among us. I do believe he can do that. But most of the time that we sense the moving of God in our midst, I want you to understand, it's the moving of the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit in our midst. Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible over eight hundred times in the old testament primarily he is called the spirit of god in the new testament um, he is called the holy spirit or I, I tend to like the king james verbiage the holy ghost uh, it just sounds more powerful to me but uh, i also know ghost kind of conjures some frightening thoughts as well and i don't want you to be scared of the holy spirit uh, he's a spirit of love he's a counselor he's a comforter he's not scary okay it's not the spooky spirit it's the holy spirit amen so in the old testament the the word for spirit is the hebrew word ruach everybody say ruach ruach oh that sounded cool Everybody say ruach. Oh, that sounds powerful. That means wind or breath or blast of breath. That's what ruach, that's what spirit. It's wind or breath or blast of breath. So if, any of, if, if you know anybody you ever got offended about Benny Hinn blowing on people, you just ask them, do you even know what 
Holy Spirit is. He's the Ruach. He's the breath of God. It's the blast of God. So I believe in blowing on people. Sure. Praise God. I don't do it. My wife tells me at times I have bad breath, and so I've, I try and spare you guys. I don't blow on you very much. Um, but the New Testament word for spirit is the word pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. That means air or wind, or I like this, blast of power. I mean, if that doesn't tell you about the nature of the Holy Ghost right there, it is a blast of power. How many of you have ever received a blast of power from the Lord before? I mean, there's moments in prayer. I, I was all fired up. I was thinking, man, I, I did a video, and I did another video, and then I prepared for this mess. I pretty much prepared three sermons today. Well, how do I do that? I had a blast of power. I, I spent time in prayer today, and boy, I just, you know, you feel the energizing of the Holy. We all need that. We all need the breath of God blowing in our lives. Amen? So what you'll notice is there's times you can, you can imagine there's, there's moments where wind comes and blows. Uh, we haven't experienced that much here in Kona lately. The air's been stale and hot, praise God. And so we need the pneuma, we need the ruach to come and, and blow across the land. But we've all had these moments where we see the effects of the wind, and you may not see the Holy Spirit, but in the same way, we see the effects of the Spirit as he moves in our midst. We're, we're in times of worship. We're in times of prayer. And you may look around, and at times you see people weeping, or you see people overcome with joy. You see people getting healed in their bodies, and we don't see anything transpiring, but you see the effects of the Spirit of God, right? We've all experienced that. And so... We're going we're gonna to dig into this. The Lord, I believe, wants us to be interested in the spiritual realm. Hebrews 11 in verse 3 says, By faith we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we see now did not come from anything that can be seen. Can I read that to you again? It's there on the screen. By faith, we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command. And what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. I want you to just ponder that for a moment. I know in our natural mind, we think that everything we see and experience and feel, like this is reality this is real. What I can see and touch and hear and taste and feel, that's, that's what's real. But do you understand everything that we see and experience right now was created out of the unseen realm? The spirit realm is more real than this right here. The spirit realm is more. I want you to get this. How is it that we can speak words in a moment of prayer and somebody instantly, eternally be transferred from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light? Why? Because the supernatural, the spirit realm is more real than anything we can see, touch, or feel around us. How is it that we can speak words in a time of prayer and bodies are healed? Are you guys trekking with me tonight? The unseen realm is greater than the seen realm. 
what we see, the pain in your body, you understand what Jesus has purchased and what is available in the spirit is greater than anything that you feel in your body. If we can even just begin to wrap our minds around this supernatural realm that is more real than anything that is around us, I believe we're going to begin to see God move and manifest his glory in even greater measures than we have. And I don't know about you, but that's what I desire with all of my heart. Out of the unseen realm, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. Right In verse 2, it says, the Spirit of God. Everybody say, Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was over the face of the waters, the beauty of creation. The Father is speaking. Jesus was present, and the Spirit of God was moving. All parts of the Trinity involved. And so now... And that's a picture. It's a glimpse. We're going to go in depth in a couple weeks on the activity and the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In fact, you'll notice I, I will often, as I talk about Holy Spirit, I'll say it exactly like that. I'll talk about Holy Spirit. I may reference the Holy Spirit, but it's like the difference between saying my wife, Leah, or saying the wife. You understand, when I talk to my wife, I call her Leah. I call her honey. I call her, I actually don't have a lot of pet names for her. I, uh, and the ones that I do have is not appropriate for me to say in front of everybody here. I have names that I say about how I love her and what I think about her. But you understand, when I talk about her to other people, then I'll use a title. I'll use, and it's the very same way. When you're in relationship with Holy Spirit, he's, He's the Spirit of God. He's with us. He's, he's our counselor. He's our friend. He's, a, he's our comforter. That's who he is. And when I teach about him, we'll say the Holy Spirit. But I hope you begin to cultivate a relationship with God like that. Get on a first-name basis with the Holy Spirit. Get on a first-name basis with the Spirit of comfort, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. He wants to minister to you tremendously. Amen? Now, in Acts 19, the reason I began with this verse is is we see this incredible point where we see a collision of the supernatural power of God and the supernatural power of the devil, and we see mankind mixed right in the middle here. And I I want to begin to, to learn from this. Paul was in Ephesus at this point in time, very supernatural city. We see that because of the revival that happened there, they ended up seeing a a massive turning away from witchcraft and idolatry. I've taught on that. In fact, our, our, our teaching, our Bible study we're doing right now, Better Together, is a study on the book of Ephesus. We're digging into some of that history. So I'm not going to go over all of that tonight. But what I love is even that very first verse in Acts 19, 11, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, normally when I share that verse, in fact, I'll I'll just do it. Look at your hands. Do you realize that God desires to work miracles through your hands? That your hands could touch sick people and they recover. 
That at your hands, demonic oppression can be broken and flee. At your hands, the comfort and the love and the ministry of the Spirit can be released. I want us to begin to walk with that awareness. I'll never forget this moment. My wife and I were in Haiti. And one of the things that we were tasked with when we first got there is uh, we drove uh, to one city and we picked up an entire bus full of orphans. And we were taking them to a new facility that we had actually helped build. We dug a foundation, and the next year we came back, we were able to bring a bunch of children to come and live in that facility. It was awesome. But as we were holding those children, I just remember my heart being so overcome in that moment. And I'm like, this may be the first time in this precious infant's life that a man of God, that someone with, you know, that, that, that unconditional love is holding and praying and speaking life. And I have this awareness. My wife, oh my goodness, you need to have her tell the story sometime. She was holding a girl. What was the girl's name? Zinni. Zinni, could you tell the story? Is it going to mess you up to share it? Should I just tell it? Zinni was found in the gutter. You see, in, in Haiti, you understand most people are starving. They literally decide, well, this son is going to eat today, and they're going to have to wait until the next time we get a little cup of rice or whatever. And so most of the families, if they have a strong and capable son, they're going to get the first portion of food because that son is going to be able to go into work. So very often you'd find these girls, and especially those who had any kind of physical or mental handicap, they literally just got tossed out into the gutters. And so these orphanages that were being built was literally full of, I mean, mostly young girls and those who had mental and physical handicaps. Well, one of these girls, they told us the story, was as Leah was holding, notice she had scars all over her face. And what we found out is, as we were driving, they began to share with us the story of how they had found Zinni in a trash heap in a gutter. And there were literally rats that were eating at her face. And so here she had been rescued and brought into this orphanage. And my, my wife is holding this precious daughter with the awareness, I get to prophesy life. That which was trash and discarded and thrown out by somebody who maybe loved her but couldn't care for her or didn't love her at all. Now I get to be God's hand extended in that situation. You see, there's an awareness. God, I get to be your hand, your voice, your works extended into the earth. What a privilege for us, church. What a joy for you and I. To be able to walk in this. And I love, you'll notice that verse there says, and God worked. Everybody say, God worked. Don't you ever get big in the head when you pray for someone and they get healed. When you prophesy and it's accurate. Don't you ever get big on yourself. Well, now I'm somebody. No, no, no. The reason unusual miracles happened in Paul's ministry is because God worked. 
And so understand, we are a surrendered vessel for God to begin to flow through. Now, there are so many incredible ideas that I could share about this passage. Uh, You know, I love the fact that handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from the body of Paul. You understand, it's not about the hanky, right? It wasn't that, you know, demons see hankies and they get scared. No, that's not what's going on there. But there was a tangible anointing that was upon the life of Paul. And you'll understand that the anointing, uh, I'm going to say this phrase and, and I can explain it, but the anointing is tangible and it's transferable. The anointing is tangible and it's transferable. And what I mean by that is there are moments where things in the unseen heavenly realm manifest in the natural. And when God is resting upon an individual and it begins to physically manifest, that's the anointing. It's God's manifest presence upon a man or a woman of God as his hand extended. Does that make sense? There was revelation on everything that I just said. I I hope you were leaning into that moment. It's God's manifest presence upon a man or a woman of God. That's the anointing. And the anointing is tangible. It's transferable. That is why you'll see moments. Cindy Jacobs has a wild story about someone who is sick with cancer, couldn't make it into a particular meeting, but somebody brought a hanky for her to pray over. So she anointed it with oil, she prayed the prayer of faith, and they went and they took that hanky, they laid it on the person who had cancer, and that person was instantly healed. And what began to happen is that testimony started going around the church and amongst other believers, and then somebody else comes along and says, hey, I have someone who's sick, can I have the hanky next? And sure enough, they began to take that hanky and go around, and there were dozens of miracles that began to happen. Well... Cindy's hearing about these testimonies and all these healings that are happening because of this prayer cloth, right? And then somebody calls her and asks her a very strange question. (laughs) She's like, Cindy, um, we've been passing this hanky around a lot, and we've seen a lot of miracles, but because we've passed it around so much, it's really dirty, and it kind of smells terrible. And we were wondering, if we wash the hanky, will it still work? <laughs> this is true. And, uh, and she's like, she didn't really have an answer for that. But she's like, I think so. You know, it's the, you know, you understand what that hanky is. It's, it's, it's a point of faith. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reference. It's a faith point. Uh, um, and she's like, go ahead and wash the thing. And so they washed the thing and now it's clean. And you know what? They took it to the next sick person and sure enough, they got healed as well. God will honor that kind of stuff. But that's why I like, man, I, I like the moments. I'd love to be in a service where Benny Hinn takes off his jacket and hits people with it. Has he ever done that at King's? I, I would love to be a part. Of, has anybody ever got hit with Benny Hinn's jacket? I would love that, man. I just, anyway, I better, I better move on. This is supernatural. You might think, Pastor Jacob, you are crazy. Hey, if it worked with Paul, I believe it can work for us. I believe if we see it in Scripture, God can move the very same way for us. I'm just waiting for somebody to ask me for my sweat rag. I'll give it to you. I actually don't have a sweat rag, but, but I pray over one for you. Um, 
So what we see here is, uh, I'm not going to read that story again, but to summarize what happens is we have these seven Jewish boys, and they're watching the miracle ministry of the Apostle Paul. Paul speaks a word. He takes a hanky. He takes an apron, and demons are literally just fleeing the scene. And so these guys, the Bible says that they were sons of an itinerant Jewish exorcist. What that means is you had seven boys whose dad was a Jewish exorcist. Okay, And these boys, I don't know what Jewish exorcisms actually looked like. I don't know what that process was like. But what I seem to understand is that these guys see the Apostle Paul. And like, seriously, this guy just takes a, a hanky and demons go? This guy speaks one word and demons go? I don't know what their dad was doing, but they felt like this is easier. So they find out about some demon-possessed person in town. They go to that demon-possessed person. The Bible doesn't say. I like to imagine that it was a little girl because it makes the story more fun. You just imagine they go in and there's a little girl and they pray. We command you to come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. You guys see what the problem is here? They're trying to take authority over things in the spirit when they don't have relationship with the point of authority, Jesus. They try and exercise authority, and you know how this story goes. The Bible says the demon speaks out, Jesus, I know him, and Paul, I know him, but I don't know who you guys are. And the Bible says, I can't even imagine, I would love to see a movie recreation of this event. The person in whom the demon was leapt on seven. First of all, it's one to seven. How does this happen? And the Bible says that those seven Jewish boys ended up fleeing the house wounded and naked. I don't know how they'd make a Christian movie about that part, but you guys get the picture. You don't mess with demons if you don't have relationship with Jesus. There's an amazing thing. In fact, I put this in your notes there. The demons say, Jesus, I gnosko. It's a Greek word, gnosko. Everybody say gnosko. That means that we've had run-ins and encounters with Jesus. We've had run-in, run-ins and encounters with Jesus. I don't know if, you know, maybe one of the demons that was in this person uh, was also in Legion, or maybe one of those demons was, you know, uh, another one of those situations, but they had obviously had run-ins and encounters with Jesus. But then about Paul, they say, Paul I, and he doesn't say gnosko, they say Paul I epistemi. Everybody say epistemi. I, okay, so we, we mispronounced it. Let's try it again. Epistemi. Uh, what that means is when you look at somebody, but you recognize something else. It's like this. You ever had a moment where, like, you hear a song, and immediately you have flashbacks to a particular moment where you heard that song before? Oh. This is the song that was playing when me and my sweetheart went to the homecoming dance, right? You have like flashback moments. Uh, my kids aren't allowed to go to homecoming, praise God. But, uh, but you understand, there's moments where you have, this is, this is the song that was playing when I got that promotion at work. And uh, boy, I use that to, you know, we have these moments where we hear something, but we remember something else. 
And this is exactly what was happening. Those demons were saying, you know, we see Paul, but we recognize that spirit. We recognize what's on him. And literally what they were saying is when they see Paul, they recognize the same power that was in Jesus. I tell you, you want that anointing, friend. If we're going to, you know, even earlier tonight, we were taking authority and pushing back darkness. Why do I or why do you have the authority to do that? In and of ourselves, we don't. But when we're in relationship with Jesus, there's a moment where the very same anointing that was upon his life comes upon your life. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. He gives us instructions, go and make disciples, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons. And he says, I am with you always. That means Jesus, if we would allow him, is able to exercise his authority through us. Oh, my goodness. Guys, if we would just get this, if we would just get it, we would never be afraid. I was, so, I was so excited. I was working out the other day. My son and I, we've been working out. Minister Rylin, if you notice that he's gaining muscles, you see that? Wow, wow. Um, you know, we've been working out. And, uh, and I was so blessed because somebody from our church, a man of God by the name of Christoph, we've had him preach here. He comes up to me in the middle of the gym. There's people all around us. He's like, Pastor Jacob, man, my shoulder's been hurting me. Would you just pray for me? I love that kind of boldness. There was no shame. I was wearing my king shirt, and I'm like, yes, I'll pray for you. And so I lay hands on him. He starts speaking in tongues as we're right there in the middle of the gym. I begin pleading the blood of Jesus. People are watching us. But it's like, you know what, man? We're just going to go for it. When you understand the authority that you are walking in, like, it's not just me praying for Christoph there in the gym. No, the very person of Jesus, the anointing of his spirit is right there. It's pre- He's with me and able to minister to in that place of need. He went immediately over and resumed his workouts. And then he messaged me later on that day. He's like, bro, my shoulder hasn't hurt since you prayed for me in the gym. He was so excited. And I was excited too. Would be to God even beyond our healing times and altar times here that, boy, in the gym and in the grocery store and everywhere we go, when we have opportunities, we get to be God's hand extended in those areas. We get to see darkness shatter off of people's lives. Boy, I'm, I'm preaching myself happy tonight. I, I hope you're happy in the house of God. This is so real. This is so real. You know, the devil... His desire, just like these sons of Sceva, is to strip you down, to beat you up, and to humiliate you. And one of the things I want you to understand, the devil's never going to show up and remind you, hey, you have authority over me. You know that. The devil comes with intimidation. He'll come with fear. He'll come with condemnation. But we need to remind ourselves, I gave you this verse, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
Do you believe that? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Have you memorized that verse? We all ought to say it together. One, two, three. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let's say it again. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The next time the devil comes knocking on your door, tempting you, harassing you, humiliating you, embarrassing you, you need to quote 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Remind the devil he is a defeated foe. And if in your in relationship with Jesus, that means you are seated in authority that will break and destroy the works of the devil. I want us to be aware of this reality. I love this, and this is the conclusion of of it all, and and I'm done with this. In fact, worship team, would you come and and join me on stage? We're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Lord to release this in our lives tonight. The result of the supernatural moving through the Apostle Paul We see the application in verse 20 of Acts chapter 19. The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. You want to know why I preach the word of God? Like, Pastor, why don't we just take time and just pray for people all night? Why don't we just, why don't we just only do worship. We'll have nights of worship and we'll have prayer times. But you understand there is an authority, there is a power as the Word of God comes forward. And as we demonstrate what the Word of God has empowered us to do, I believe that the Word of God is going to be mighty and there's a prevailing power that is released through His Word. Guys, I believe that for you. I believe that you're going to be prevailing. I believe that you're victorious. I believe that you're overcoming. But the key is grabbing hold of the word and the promises of God. Lord, this is the harassment that I feel. This is the failure that I've experienced. This is the breakdown that I'm living in. This is all this stuff that comes against us. But we have anchor points. But your word says. God, your word says that I am the head and not the tail. Your word says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Your word says that that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Boy, I just, I encourage you. You need to build your arsenal in the word of God. What is it you're believing for? And what are the verses that you're grabbing hold of? God, my body hurts. But your word says, by your stripes, I am healed. God, I'm, I'm plagued with anxiety and fear. But your word says, I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a soundness of mind. That's my reality. That's the greater truth than what you feel or experience. That's a spiritual truth. Come on, can we just stand all across this room right now? Holy Spirit, I welcome you right now. And I ask you, Lord, to confirm your word in our lives. God, I can preach till I'm blue in the face, but in this moment, God, I'm asking for you to show up. 
as I've shared tonight, I know our heart connects to different areas. We consider our own needs. We consider where we are in life. And God, I believe that you're able to move. I believe that what goes on in the spirit, what you have purchased, what you have made available, your authority and your power, it's greater than anything that we see, feel, or experience right now. And so I pray for your prevailing power to be released even now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In a moment, I just feel like we need to pray for some things uh, personally that, that, that the Lord may highlight, but, but we have to do one thing first. The reason those seven boys got beat up, harassed, and embarrassed by the devil is because they were not in right relationship with Jesus. They knew about Jesus. They'd even seen the things that Jesus was able to do, but they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. First Peter encourages all of us to check yourself, examine yourself. Listen, I know there's people here, I don't even know who you are. I don't know if you're a first-time guest. And there's others, I know you very, very well. But I want to challenge every person within the sound of my voice. I don't care if you're on stage, if you've got a title in this house. Examine your heart tonight. Maybe you once walked very closely to Jesus, but you're not where you should be with him. Maybe you're not as close to Jesus as you ought to be. Is he with you? Is he in you? Is he your very closest friend? Have you done things that break his heart? Let's get it right tonight. Let's ask him to cleanse us and to wash us and to make us new. With every head bowed and everyone praying, you say, Pastor, I need to be closer to Jesus than I am. I'm not asking if you're lost or if you're prodigal. If that's you, then certainly this applies. But I'm asking tonight, do you need to come closer to Jesus than what you are? Have you allowed things to separate you from him? Tonight, I want to fully embrace Jesus. I want to come back to him. Come on, if, if God is speaking to your heart with every head bowed and everyone praying right now, if you say, I, I, need, to, I need to come closer to the Lord. I need to get some things right I've been allowed I've allowed burdens I've allowed sin I've allowed concerns I've allowed hurt to cause me to drift away but tonight I want to come close again if that's you would you just raise your hand all across this room yeah 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 so many so many so many hallelujah 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 can you just look this way right now We're going to open these altars in a moment. We're just going to worship. I had a moment earlier this afternoon. Can I just tell you? I had a meeting that was very disappointing to me. I walked out of a particular meeting so frustrated, even angry. I'm like, God, where are you? I need you to intervene in this situation.
My wife and I talked about it for a moment, but you know, there's, there's things that you can't just like, and it wasn't anything between us. There's things that I, I can't work out with my wife. I can't work out with you. I have to go to him. And so I had messages to prepare. I had other meetings I had to get to. But I had to take a moment where I just got out and away from everything. And I just began to walk around my neighborhood just talking with Jesus. Like, God, this disappointment has come between me and you. And I didn't even want to let that go for one hour, friend. God, I trust you. And I cast all my cares on you because you care for me. Listen, friend, I don't know where you are. And I don't know what it is that, that maybe has, has come between you and the Lord. It could be a moment of disappointment like that. We're going to move into a moment of worship. We're not going to stay here all night. But I want to give you the opportunity tonight. There were many. There were probably a dozen or more that raised their hands. I'm sure there's some online. But I want to give us a moment to take a step of faith. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but even as I share my personal story, you say, yeah, that's me too. I want to give you the opportunity to take a step to draw near to the Lord once again. And the Bible says if you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. We draw first. We take the first step. But he'll meet you. Right now, I just want to open these altars. I'm not going to pray for anybody just yet. But even as we move into worship, if you say, I'm, I want to draw near to the Lord once again, I just want to invite you to come and step out from your seat. And maybe you want to kneel here at the altar. Maybe you just want to extend your hands and just receive him once again. But if that be you and God is speaking to you, I want you to step out now and just begin to 